Sunday night, USA team wins. They gone down, done the press conference, celebrated. They're in the back of the locker room, and they were, uh, they're packing up their lockers to get ready to go back to the hotel. And Tiger kind of pulls the guys together and says, hey, guys, I want to talk to everyone for a minute. And whenever Tiger would say that, the guys would just, you know, zone right in. And he says, hey, tonight, when we get back to the hotel, let's really stay up late and enjoy this one. The guys are kind of laughing, like, yeah, obviously. And he said, he, he was serious. He said, you know, the reason I say that is when we won a 99 at Brookline, go back to the hotel, we have dinner, we have drinks, but this week just takes it out of you. So by like 10.30, I had nothing left. Kind of backed out of the room and went up to my room and got in bed. He said about an hour later, somebody's pounding on his door. It's, you know, it's players only on that floor, so it can only be one of them. Uh, and the person's not going away. So he gets out of bed, answers the door, and it's Payne Stewart. Payne's, you know, big smile on his face. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, uh, I'm already in bed. You guys go ahead. He goes, no, come on, let's go. The Tiger's like, no, I, I got nothing left. He goes, none of us do. Come on, let's go. And Tiger said, what's the big deal? He says, Tiger, you know, the big deal is you never know if you ever get to do this again. Tiger says, Payne, we're going to do this every two years. Payne says, you don't know that. Come on, let's go. And Tiger said, I'm so glad that Payne wouldn't let me go back to bed. You know, I'll always remember that night. And Payne was right. That's the only winning Ryder Cup team I've ever played on to this date. And we lost him a month later. So I could see it, you know, kind of sinking on the guys of, enjoy this moment. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Ronnie, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. The voice you heard at the beginning of this episode was the head pro here at Hazeltine National Golf Club, Chandler Withington. We, uh, myself, Mr. DJ Pie, hello. Hello, Sally. We, uh, we're on a little Ryder Cup road trip. It's one year out from the Ryder Cup. We went up to Whistling Straits. Played up there, went to the media day, and uh, now we're driving around the Midwest going to, in case you saw our Instagrams or anything, we're uh, wondering why the hell we're in the Midwest. We're going visiting here at Hazeltine. We're off to Medina next, and we're going to Valhalla. Working on a big video project. We're not going to try to try not to cannibalize ourselves too much on the content. but Also, we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, so we have no idea. <laughs> we're it's, just shooting a million things, and we'll, we'll sort all that out later. And it's going to come out at a much, much later date. But first thing we cannibalized was that story from Chandler, which I think like... All right, so if you're tuning into this, one, you saw what the title of the episode is. So I don't, I'm not, I don't have any sympathy for you if you don't want to hear about Ryder Cup yet. You don't have to listen to this, but... We are in a Ryder Cup mood. I'm always in Ryder Cup mood, but you're starting to feel how I feel every day. I know. I can't. I, this would be exhausting to live life this way. It's I can't believe. Best. I can't believe you. You feel like this all Why the time. Why do you think we hate PGA Tour events so much? <laughs> no. So we. So my Ryder Cup uh, fandom. I, I don't know. Like, if, listen. Of course, I like the Ryder Cup. Like, of course, nobody likes the Ryder Cup more than me. <laughs> I almost said that, but then I was like, well, Sally likes it more than I do. <laughs> but you start to get. I don't know if fatigue is the right word, but I'm just, you know, it's, it's great. I've never been to one though. I think that's part of it. I've never been on the grounds at one. Uh, we lose all the time. So I think that has kind of killed my, uh, killed my boner a little bit. I'm for, glad you're saying we still, for the you're Cup. wavering. Well, that's the thing. We can get into that later, but I'm, I'm, I was a little on the edge. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a free agent on this whole thing. I'm like, man, Europe is very easy to root for and like we'll get into all this but watching the two captains up there Patrick Harrington and Steve Stricker like you know watching them for a whole day and then seeing the highlights and thinking about like like hey man you want to root for uh some of the like fairly whiny uh guys who are fighting with each other over the last like six years or do you want to root for like Tommy Fleetwood or do you want to root for Molinari or Rory or Poulter or all these guys who are just like man I wish my hat said Europe on it like those guys look like they're having a lot of fun <laughs> uh but I think that the visit to Hazeltine today uh I think it's won me back because I okay. like good god it they have some cool stuff here man and the like worse would be to flip to Europe and then the U.S. wins exactly in 2020. certainly so uh, listen Tron I, I know you're listening uh I'm I would be happy to look at some literature for team Europe um but I, I think after today it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough sell to see me switch sides like 
like Turncoat Tron. It was uh, it was great to just hear the, the goal of this again. Part of at least the goal of this is to hear some stories from people that had integral integral roles within these Ryder Cups. And this is just this is just the first part of this video series that we're on on the ground here filming, but. Just hearing stories from people on the ground and the run-ins they had with players and the, the uh, things that happened in the team room and all of the things that go into a Ryder Cup and knowing, you know, because it, it's one thing to, you know, the event comes, it comes on TV, you watch it and it goes away, right? But you don't realize that somebody spent like two years running up to it, working on it. And like the more we or start, more. To, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the more we start to peel up back the layers of it, like we're in that process right now and just seeing, and the same goes for the captains. I mean, this, they were on Faraday Live this week. But this is, I think, the kickoff really for them. And they've been doing a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, talking about hats and all the things they had to order and all the, the stuff that goes into it that can't be fun. Like, I can't imagine that that's fun at all. It makes me wonder, like, whether I would, if I was given the opportunity, what I honestly want to be a captain. Well, I don't you better know. be careful. The PGA of America is probably listening to this. They probably well, got you on their short list. Whenever, so if we lose this one, off. they're going to start, they've got to get away from players, right? They're going to have to go to. Greg Popovich or whatever it is. But we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Paris. Uh, we obviously debriefed that several, several times and are still dealing with what happened there. Well, before we get there, so so we have uh, – we kind of did a little bootleg recording at the uh, at the press conference. Um, Padraig Harrington and Steve Stricker kind of both dove in-depth to a lot of topics. We're going to pull a couple of insightful, interesting uh, clips from that, so let's let's before we do that, let's start with their kind of breakdown of, of what happened in Paris. We had a good team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Thomas is a good captain. He was blessed with probably one of the better, the best teams we've had in terms of world rankings. Uh, there was a lot of quality in the team. They came to their, together very well. Uh, obviously, we we lost on Friday morning three one, which was a, a big setback to us. Uh, but we had. Uh, some nice balance in that team. Uh, we stuck to our guns and we came through on Friday afternoon, which was which huge, which huge for our team. You know, uh, that Friday afternoon session, obviously, you know, it's tough to lose one session 3-1, but to come back in the afternoon just instilled the confidence to go on with, with the plan. Uh, I think Paris National, no doubt, suited the European game, suited our style of play. Uh, so yeah, you know, after getting the advantage back, home advantage, uh, it, it carried on from there. As you can see, I'm really trying to avoid anything that actually gives away what exactly happened behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, I've got to say, you know, it was, a, it was a really quality team. The Europeans have outplayed us the last, the last few times. Um, we, we get a lot of practice at it. You know, we play a President's Cup every other year and we play this event. Um, we also have the World Golf Championship match play event. Um, you know, maybe if anything, uh, you know, we've been looking into stats as well. You know, I mean, we, we do the same thing as the European side and it's, you know, we gave a lot of holes away in, in France um, by making something other than par. Uh, we made as, almost as many birdies, if I remember right, during that week. France, but we just gave so many holes away and and um, and making different numbers, you know. So it, it could be our style of play, you know. Our guys on the on the U.S. side are, are aggressive players. They they make a lot of birdies. Um, usually, the guys that make the team are leading the the birdie average for the year. You know, they're they're just uh, aggressive players, and you know sometimes in match play, it's okay to back down and. and Try to make a par, and, and uh, it showed in France. Um, you know that if we could have just made some pars, that it could have been a different match. But uh, that's easier said than done, too. You know, France was a tough setup. Uh, the course was very demanding, very difficult. Our guys didn't have any experience on that golf course, so um, yeah. So I think if anything, you know, the message for our guys will be, you know, uh, sometimes. You know, backing off and making pars and making making the other team earn it is is a good thing. Okay, so you were, I mean, you were on the ground at Paris. What what's your lasting memory of that? <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> Pour you me a drink, please. <laughs> um, my lasting memory of it was. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to measure right now how upset I want to make the Europeans about this currently. <laughs> it, it was just like a, 
keep in mind we're looking out at the ninth and 18th uh greens here at hazeltine and uh where, where are the pins that <laughs> we're seeing directly <laughs> in the middle of the greens so let's let's that's be a, careful to set up stuff how, to hard Justin we, how hard we want to go to set up stuff well, i i at least felt like and this is obviously going to come from a biased perspective but the, the american style setups set up for like excitement and like free like free swinging and kind of attacking and birdies and i felt like the there was just a lack of rhythm to the 2018 one because for both teams even I mean guys are hitting the ball in the in the rough so often and there's you know guys winning holes with double bogeys at certain times if you're hitting in the water shout out Bubba uh, I think that happened and it just it just was like a stop start stop start and maybe that's just as an American fan that's the exact level of discomfort they wanted us to feel so I, again I will never fault a a you know, either the Europeans were setting it up the way they did. I won't obviously fault the Americans for setting it up the way they did. I do think that and maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later. I think there's a lot of interest after this one, after the 2021 <laughs> on U.S. soil, in like a neutral party setting these things up because I think we're going to keep swinging too far to the extremes. But anyways, it, it you know it was. Well, so I'm going to cut you off whenever I, whenever I've got a clip queued up. I'm going to cut you oh, off. Oh, please so pa- do. Padraig Harrington had kind of a a very similar. Uh, feeling on this which also was starting coincidence starting to pull me (laughs) starting to pull me to the european side as well let's roll that now there's a substantial difference it's i would advocate even too much of a difference between home and away and clearly in europe we get to set the golf course up and we set it up every way we can to to suit our players and in the states we've seen that as well and you know where the the golf courses are set up to be most advantageous for the home team I, i think it's obviously not going to happen probably in my lifetime, but 40, 50 years down the road where the Ryder Cup is still going along, it would probably be, it'd probably be best to have a neutral setup where there is no uh, setting up a golf course as we did in Europe, so that it was very tight off the tee and it, and it made it a, a real difficult, you know, where par was a good score, whereas if you went back to Hazeltine, it was more of a, a, a birdie fest, which, you know, suited the... The statisticians have got involved and tell us what suits each, each team. So, uh, yeah, possibly down the road it's going to be uh, it's going to be more of a neutral setup. Thankfully, here at Whistling Straits, this is a much more natural golf course. So I'm I'm interested to see down the road what what Steve has in store. But it doesn't look like you can do a lot with this golf course. To finish off my thoughts on Paris, I really, really felt like the U.S. had a tremendous group of talent. I cannot fault the team that Jim Furyk put together. If you wanted to question the Phil pick, that's you know people were were questioning that before the Ryder Cup even came. I was on board with it. He had been seven and three in the last three Ryder Cups and just seemed to have really kind of gotten over a lot of what had plagued him in the Ryder Cup for many years. Anyways, even if you critique that one, the U.S. wasn't going to win. Right. I mean. Tiger was coming off a win at the Tour Championship, and he went 0-4. Bryson was maybe the hottest golfer on the planet. He went 0-3 or 0-4. He didn't win a point. Phil obviously didn't win a point. Brooks Kepka was the number one player in the world. I think he went 1-3, maybe 1-4. And, um, and it, it, you know, they got great performances from guys they maybe shouldn't have. Tony Finau went 2-1. Webb Simpson had a winning record. Bubba even eked out a point, I think, at one point. Uh, so it, it was just a mess, and it, it was you know it, it sends everyone back to the drawing board. And I guess I was dis- I was more dismissive of the home field advantage than I should have been. That's my regret. And how did I not see that coming? We haven't right. won since '93 for a reason. But this one honestly did feel different. I thought, and it just wasn't. So I thought we'd roll, run them in Rome, and I now definitely question that. And I definitely thought we'd stomp them at Whistling Straits, and I question that now. I really do. I, at least maybe I've just been humbled a little bit. But I just don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be simple. Like here, let's shave the rough down and let's put the pins in the middle of the greens and let's whoop their ass because I just don't think whistling. And you know, they talked about this some in the press conference as well. I don't think whistling sets up that well for manipulation. There's no real tricks, you know. I mean, they know how we like to set up the golf courses and we know how they like to set up the golf courses. And and they're, you know, I'm sure what he's got envisioned in his mind uh, is going to be the way it's going to be. And, and I know the next time when we go, we go, uh, where do we go next time? Rome. Rome, yeah. And I'm sure it'll be much like Paris. So, um, yeah, there's no real tricks here. You know, it, it, it's not going to be eight on the stint meter like it was in Paris. It's, uh, it's not going to be as high as rough as it was in Paris. Um, but, you know, it, it's, there's, no, 
there's no real tricks, you know, and, and but it is a little bit more of a challenge here, to Padraig's point earlier, that, you know, it's a link style course, but I don't know if this is a true link style course. You know, a lot of this um, is still played through the air here. Um, you know, some of the link style that I've played over on over the years overseas is that, you know, you really bounce the ball up, you roll it up, you can flight it down low. And, and here I think it's a little bit more in the air than it is over overseas, um, personally thinking. But um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll see how it goes. Didn't give much, did he? <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get back and get rolling, we got to talk about the week that Callaway had in professional golf. On Sunday alone, they had three driver wins on major worldwide tours. I hope you guys saw what Kevin Na was doing, uh, walking in putts from everywhere with his Toulon Madison putter, as, uh, as well as Cheyenne Knight. She won on the LPGA Tour. They also had a win on the Japan Tour. Callaway has more driver wins across the globe than any other OEM this year. And also, Nah, he rolled in the most feet of putts in the history of the PGA Tour with that Toulon Madison putter. Uh, check out CallawayGolf.com for all the information you need on all the things, all the successes that Callaway Golf has had in uh, professional golf this year. Now back to the Ryder Cup podcast. Yeah, I think whistling is going to be, uh, I don't know, I think it's going to be interesting for a lot of reasons. I don't know how I feel as for today an american fan well this I, i'm excited for <laughs> I'm you not, i'm excited not excited for your super take confident after we've seen medina and valhalla too because yeah. you're going to see the theme in the venues in that you know you can say what you want about these golf courses and I, i'm almost never i won't criticize what a except for paris <laughs> like the the venue the courses are not the 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 story usually the week of it's the setting right for you you have to bust a shitload of people into these things and that is part of the story right i mean some of i kind of you can kind of roll your eyes at you know some of the courses that have become obsolete just because you can't fit people onto the grounds to be fans but fans are the story at the yeah. Ryder cup you have to have a venue where you can fit a ton of people crowd greens crowd tee boxes grandstands and have people feel the noise and i don't know how that's going to really work at whistling yeah because it is not the easiest course to navigate while you're playing it much less getting from hole to hole as fans would now the difference in a Ryder Cup is you don't really go hole to hole. Like you pick when I went as outside the ropes in 2012 at Medina, and we would move an hour ahead of the first group, get a good spot, and watch all four groups come through somewhere on the front nine, and then you slide over the back nine. And usually you try to find a spot that has a jumbotron. Hopefully you have a radio and whatnot. But it's it is it's not easy path walking. And that was my feedback from France is they didn't have enough bridges. They had really really bad traffic issues at a lot of places and I, I i'm curious how they're going to handle it at whistling i mean they have to have thought of these things right for and sure if not and if you're listening to this podcast please uh, please build <laughs> walkways over the, the walkways over where the players are going to walk between holes is so key because that's where you get bottlenecks because the volume is going to be insane they're not going to limit ticket sales it's going to be a lot of people and this property is obviously hemmed in by Lake Michigan. And so you've lost a whole side of the property and a, a, it's not going to have that kind of stadium feel as much to it. Cause you're just can't surround holes all the way around. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's funny. So I'd never been here to Hazeltine and we're sitting in just like a conference room right now with these big, beautiful windows. And we're looking out over the golf course. I mean, it is a big ass sprawling piece of property and whistling Straits is really big and sprawling too but the difference here is that it's there's some natural amphitheaters around the greens there's some some big wide open spaces where people can gather and where people can move around and where people can cross from hole to hole like you said there's a lot of there's a lot of like intersection space yeah. out there right but at whistling Straits, it's like i mean you've all seen pictures of it it's the surface of the moon yeah. out there you know what i mean it's there's <laughs> 58,000 bunkers and there's there's all these crazy things that like makes it look really cool when you're when you're playing it I mean uh, I don't want to get anybody triggered like it doesn't play like an Irish course but it looks like an Irish course you know it feels like the dunes are wild and and all that is like a you know maybe a feat of construction more than this like great piece of property but it's uh it's gonna be interesting I think one thing I was thinking about is it could be uh, I would give as much power as I have here I would give uh approval that it would be the only course, the only spectator event that it's okay to work golf shoes because mm -hmm. I think people are going to 
especially if it rains or if it's super dry, like that fescue, when it starts to lay down, like I'm sure everybody listening to this as well has played some course where you've got the fescue laying down. If you've got tennis shoes on or something and your feet just go right out from under you, mm-hmm. like that's going to happen so much because a <laughs> lot of it fighting for views. And people are going to be fighting for those dunes. fighting for space. And like someone was saying earlier, you know, kind of on the trip is like the way you navigate whistling straights, which again, like all this is good for your everyday golfer and caddy you've got these six foot paths that kind of go between tee and green and kind of go from hole to hole and and uh these like little walking paths that are help you find balls and help you do all this stuff when you have fifty thousand people in there trying to like all be single file into those six foot walking paths like that's going to work for a little while but then eventually people are going to try to go around and try to especially okay oh tiger and bryson are on this hole and they're one up and oh my god we got to go get to 14 to see this people are going to start running on these hills and they're just going to slip and fall and like when you slip and fall the hills are so steep like people are just i'm not making this up like people are recounting this from like the the 15 pga and Mm -hmm. stuff like you start falling down these hills and you just like take out the legs of of all these like you're just a bowling ball rolling down these hills so uh whatever i mean i'm not not to be all doom and gloom and like it's just all the fan that, experience is, right. is one thing but really like the people who care about that are the fans that are on site but it's a lot a, more it's people. a lot it's it's a, a, it is a lot but there's a lot more people watching it on tv and so we can we can probably focus more on uh yeah i mean it's gonna look pretty on tv obviously sure. next to the lake and all that but uh, again, I wonder just how – with the, the wind that comes off that lake and the sound, like when we were out there, the waves were whipping and yeah. roaring. And we're going to talk a little bit about weather here in a second too. But it, it you lose a bit. Like it's, it, we played Hazeltine yesterday evening. There was not a sound right. out there. There was not a single sound. So everything you're going to hear out there is the crowd and the atmosphere. Yeah. But the elements are a factor when you're at Whistling Straits, and that's going to be what you hear. And I'm not saying it's going to drown out the crowd. They're going to be plenty loud, but – I can't picture it being the same kind of boisterous venue as, uh, and again, maybe they've got it all figured out. And I, I remember when this site was announced, I was like a very su- kind of surprised for a Ryder Cup. I think it has played very well for PGA Championships. I had an absolute blast playing the golf course. We had so much fun. Um, but it's, there's, there's some questions to be answered, I think, in that. And I, uh, I, I have faith that they'll get it right. But, uh, you know, and one other factor, too, for fans on the ground is like, this event is famous for letting so many people inside the ropes. Yeah. And like some people like have camped out and gotten good viewing spots. And then it's like, ah, people come and stand yeah, right in front totally. of you. So, um, so we've mentioned a lot about the crowd and fan support and, and what it's going to be like. I think one of the biggest things, it's a very lazy um, kind of storyline, but you know, is Steve Stricker being kind of the poster child of Wisconsin golf. And, and that's, a huge factor in why he got this captaincy and stuff. So, so let's let's roll a little bit of him uh, kind of talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it first started off as major championships, right? You know, we've had the PGA here three times. We had uh, the U.S. Open over at Aaron Hills, and and this is the ultimate here uh, to have really the ultimate um, event in the game of golf uh, to be here at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's just really. From everybody I talk to, the anticipation, the excitement level is through the roof, and and it's no different for me either. You know, I'm very excited to to have this opportunity to to be here in my home state to try to help this team and lead this team to uh, to try to win that cup back. And um, yeah, it's a great treat for all of us. And uh, I know the colder people um, will will uh, treat us unbelievably. They already have. And, uh, we look forward to uh, to being here and getting the ball rolling. You know, it, it'll be here before we know it, but we're all uh, we're all super excited. I do think it's really cool that this event is going to somewhere like basically just north of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which is it, it's so. I mean, the last again, the last three Ryder Cups in the U.S. were you know outside of Minneapolis, not really far. Basically, a Minneapolis one, uh, Chicago. I mean, Medina is just outside Chicago, and Valhalla is just outside Louisville. This is outside Milwaukee. This is not a Milwaukee this event. It's outside Sheboygan. Right. And which, you know, it's a population of 50,000. It's not a tiny town. It's no, not, but it, yeah. If you hear somebody say this is a place in the middle of nowhere, it's not. Like, that's not the fact. There's a town it took us, what, 10 minutes away. Two and a half to get there from Chicago? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not about an hour of north nowhere. of Milwaukee yeah. or something like it, that. That's not the case, but it is small town feel. And we'll have oh some gosh, of that yeah. as small town stories when these uh, videos do come out. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I think that's cool. I think there's a really cool element to that. And Wisconsin sports fans are fantastic. And it's a, just a significant, a huge thing. I mean, we talked to one local there. He said, you know, he said they're, they're bringing the world here, which I, that was really cool for somebody that just kind of owned a farm in Wisconsin that you know, couldn't have imagined a golf course going in there and, and it being a focal point. Uh, that element is really cool. So I don't, I don't mean any – any questions I'm asking about it going to Whistling Straits are not based on the fan support that's going to be there. No, I think it's going to be awesome. And I think it, it is just like a cool, it, it's a, you know, you might think farmland and all of that stuff is, you know, not the sexiest thing in the world, but maybe it's because we grew up not super far from there, but it's just a really pretty, really cool part of the world. I think like the people are so freaking nice and, and all this stuff is, is cliches. You can hear it in a million different places, but I mean, we were up there for three days and like, we didn't meet anybody who was brash. We didn't meet anybody who like, everybody's welcome. People are literally, we're knocking on people's doors and they're like, yeah, come on oh, in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do you got a camera? Yeah, come on in. <laughs> Let's go. Sure. Whatever. And I mean, they're just so excited to have people there. And it's, it's a testament to like what happens when you put, you know, it's a double-sided, double-edged sword, whatever. The, whatever. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, but you know, when you put this, like, let's not make any, uh, any confusion here, like whistling straights, it's not like it's your local muni, right? It's going to cost you however many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go play there. So it's not like this is some like community gathering point. I mean, it's right. all tourists and, and whatever, but it still does show how you can kind of use that as a place to show off your community or bring, you know, bring people to, that part of the world who probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have otherwise been there. I mean, we're right, you know, we're right on the border of uh, Manitowoc County. It's uh, pretty much most famous otherwise for like making a murderer. And I wanted uh, to shout go. out to the, the Avery Auto Parts, which we all, you wanted to detour, but we had to get. I've, I would have felt bad doing it. I just want to drive by, see if we can help out with the case in any way. We can, maybe we, when we come back next year, <laughs> okay. we can do it. So I've been spending a lot of time on Reddit. I think I got a couple of breaks in the case. I've we been can... looking at satellite fa- photos. <laughs> like there, there's some holes in this case still. I just want to ask the questions. For sure. Um, so let's talk a bit about kind of our takeaways from the media day, which I can't believe that's a sentence I'm saying out loud, which because it sounds so ridiculous. But I think we did have some. I mean, I think yeah. the... For me, I really always have struggled with the idea of captaincy, how much it matters, how much it doesn't. And I think it gets overblown with a lot of people. But at the same time, you know, it's, 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 you know, Stricker kind of said it really well on Faraday Live. He said, it's almost a no-win situation. If, you, if your team wins, it's because of great play. And if your team loses, it's because the captain didn't do his job right. But, you know, the fact that people are, are have such things, the little stories, I guess, we hear about the captaincy – and you know how Paul Azinger did it this way in 08, and like the, the players really loved that and wanted to bring that to Corey Pavin. And Corey Pavin said, no, I'm going to do it my way. And then you know Davis Love comes along and did it really well, and I think players really liked that. And then Tom Watson came along, who did not do it the way they liked, and they went back to Davis Love. And it, there seems to be enough there that it does matter. Right? Would, yeah, would you no, agree? I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that I've always, I've always definitely laughed about the idea and you know a lot of people will laugh about this and they'll continue to laugh about like you know they're they're cart drivers and they don't like you know what are you really changing and besides making the pairings like what can you really do and i i agree with you completely i mean like all the stories we've heard this week kind of speak to speak to being in that mindset i think one of my, my favorites that we heard this week was you know there's some europeans over here as well for doing media stuff and whatever and hearing stories about certain captains kind of telling the European team, like, okay, when we go over there, like the first thing we need to do is win the hotel. And that means when you get there, you are the nicest possible person that you've ever been to the hotel staff and to the bellboys and to the bartenders and to the valet and to everybody. And like you go in and you like doing stuff like that and just being that kind of person to everybody, like it just puts you in a good mood. Right. Right. And it just makes it easier to be friendly with your teammates. It makes it easier to be friendly with media, friendly with all these people. And it like, you know, it it probably speaks to why everybody looks like they're having a lot more fun. Uh, Of course, a lot of that's because they're winning a lot too, but but it kind of has a doubling down factor, yeah, right? Totally. They're kind of laughing at us and that like, look at the, look how good these guys are at golf, but they can't beat us. Exactly. Like, how is this possible? And that's why I think the U.S. has an inherent uh, disadvantage all the time because like, you know, maybe we're not the quote unquote like betting favorites, but 
we have the biggest tour and we have the biggest names and we have all the big, like it's like, we're never, ever, ever going to be like a chippy underdog, <laughs> you know, where it's like the Europeans always come in and it's like, Ooh, everybody, the big bad Americans, right. like every, come on, like, let's, let's just like, how funny will it be to like, just beat them, yeah. just continue to beat them. Like, how do you flip that? I know. And, and I think part of how you have to do it is to have like a captain who's just inspiring as F, you know, and, right. And is that's, Steve Stricker that guy? That's like, where I bring the question. I, I, I'm not going to make a snap judgment a year out you know, to say Steve Stricker should not be the captain. The statement I'll say is I hope he was selected as captain for more reasons other than he's from Wisconsin. <laughs> right. And that has, you know, for years everyone said, oh, well, Stricker's going to get to Wisconsin. When Stricker, and, again, I, I, don't, I don't know what his leadership style is. And doing the media stuff is not easy, but the the vast difference between the way Padraig Harrington handled the media day and the way Stricker does it, it was it was noticeable. It was very totally. noticeable. Yeah, and a lot of that's it's it's hard because like we how talked, much does that matter is a very yeah for real sure. question. And and maybe it's nothing. And I mean Stricker is he's not far removed from playing you know the tour week to week. Like he knows most of these guys. He was very open about like hey, there's a lot of young guys that like I don't know very well at all. Mm-hmm. And you know we can go through like the points list later, but you know the the core of the team the rickies and jt's and uh brooks and dustin and tiger and phil and you know all these guys like he obviously knows all those guys super well and he's done a ton of vice captain stuff and he's done a ton of he's been in a million team rooms and like so i think when it you know kind of push comes to shove it's like it's not like he doesn't have the respect of these guys that's not what we're saying at all i don't think but like is he someone that's going to like totally shake up the system and just be like, Hey, let's just like figure out a way to, you know, be more loose and be more relaxed. And, and I, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I thought one of the things that just rolling one other clip from uh, media day here, one of the things I thought was really, really interesting was both players kind of talked about, uh, I, I think your natural inclination would be like, Oh my gosh, this guy's played in a million Ryder cups. Like he must be, he'd be an awesome captain. And I thought it was really interesting to hear them say like how much more they learned uh, outside of being a player. You learn a lot more as a vice captain than you do as a player. Player, it, it's starting how I suppose insular we are as players. We, 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 it's all about getting your own game ready, doing what you need to do. And um, as professional golfers, we're self-managed, so it, it it really is all about us as we go along. But when you become a vice captain. You start seeing a lot more, and, and because of that, you obviously clearly learn a lot more what's the demands of, of the players and how to fit them together and, and manage all the different uh, personalities in a team. So yeah, the, the vice captains, for me, that's that's where you learn the most. Uh, it's nice nice to be a player and all that, but it, it's and I suppose when you're a player, you, you see different styles of captaincy that you like and you don't like. And I had six different captains and. and they all had different. I, I had a couple of captains who were very much arm around the shoulder, uh, you know, encouraging you, believing in you. I I, I remember with uh, I remember with Bernard Langer. Which, uh, he sat there at the at the evening uh, meeting after the first day's play, and, he, and his nearly the first words out was at, at the at the at the meeting was, and it was at a boardroom table as well. And he turns around and says, "Now we'll have nobody laying up." into the hazard on number five tomorrow. I was the only one who'd laid up into the hazard that day. So yeah, Bernard was, a, and Bernard would be on the tees telling you what clubs to hit into the par threes and things like that. And so just, there's so many different styles of captaincy. You do see that and um, I don't believe I'm going to be one or the other. I, I hopefully will be a mixture of most. Uh, but then as, as vice captain, you tend to learn a lot about the, the tactics that go in behind that. And it, it is difficult to, Steve would know this from being from being there as well. It's incredibly difficult to put a team out at you know mid morning, well late morning on Friday, when the guys have only played maybe fourteen holes of golf, and you have to put a team out for the afternoon. And sometimes you put players out who end up losing their morning match, uh, and sometimes you drop players who won the morning match, and, and clearly you get second guessed on your team selection, but. You know, oftentimes people don't realise those teams have to be sided. There's so many factors that go into it that literally being the vice captain, you do get to sit there and, and be part of that decision making. Um, and that's really what helped. I, I believe that's going to help me the most as being a captain, to be a captain. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, team formation here. Um, it, it's too early to look at the standings, but it's not. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things Padraig said. I, I don't know if he said it at the Faraday Live thing or whatever, but it's just like I, I basically went in and was like, okay, I'm not going to look at the standings. I'm going to completely ignore them. That's going to be my thing. He's like, of course I can do that. Like, <laughs> no, I, listen, I look at them all the time. He's like, I build a new team like every single day. The Europe, uh, But I think there is a vast difference in how the two teams form their team, right? right. In that it's, it's kind of weird. It's just weird how it works. The European Tour runs Team Europe Ryder Cup, whereas PGA of America runs Team USA Ryder Cup. Yet the, so the PGA Tour itself is not involved in the Ryder Cup. Yet the, world, the European Tour uses kind of a world performance system, which makes sense because a lot of their players are you know, European Tour members by technicality and play most of the golf in the PGA Tour. So they want all that world golf to count. But the world golf for the U.S. players does not count, right? So right. if, you know, so-and-so goes over and wins the Scottish Open or the Irish Open, you get nothing for that. There's no world ranking. There's no nothing. And they have this point system on the U.S. side that I still just struggle. I struggle with a lot because they seem to take it with such gospel. And let's go, let's go right actually into Padre's clip here talking about why he went from four captain's picks down to three. Um, I know this is different than what I'm saying. This is this is Europe, the Europe captain talking, and I'm talking about U.S., but just how much they hold the points list in regard is why I want to roll uh, this now. The, the logic is basically you anybody you pick is under pressure, more pressure, more stress than a player who is qualified. So I wanted, <laughs> the way I looked at it is the ninth guy, how often would you skip the ninth guy in the rankings and pick four people after him? Uh, not very often. It's not something that you would probably do. You, you'd normally pick the ninth guy and, and why pick him and put him under pressure? Why not just let him qualify into the team, let him feel like he's there on his own merits, no second guessing, no judging? Uh, that would be my thought. You, you hear them kind of talk about how hard of a time they have glancing past the ninth guy on the list. And I just don't understand the mindset of just taking this list at gospel. Like, I. We know how it's put together, and we can go through that. So, again, this is for the 2020 Ryder Cup. There's, there's maybe, let's say there's nine events that happen in 2019 that points count. So, major championships, you get one point for every $1,000 you earn. And for WGCs and players, you get one point for every $2,000 that you earn. So, the list right now reads Kepka, DJ, Woodland, Tiger, Xander, Webb, Kucher, and Finau. That's not going to be who's top eight you know, come the end of next year. But some of these guys have earned a lot of points. And Gary Woodland is third on the list, right, with 2762 points. And Tony Finau is in, in the eighth place with 1,300 points. So he's not as far from a lock, but I just never understood the point of like, okay, Gary Woodland obviously won the U.S. Open next year. Why does that matter come how he's <laughs> going to play next September? And like, why are we rewarding like 2019 performances at all and I know that it's weighted heavier for 2020 and a lot of these points are going to get pushed out but basically winning that major was in 2019 in June of 2019 is equal to winning a PGA Tour event next year and he doesn't have that much more work to do to make the team whereas it's like if he didn't I don't know like would he I feel like for somebody like that you should he should make it and it should be very very clear that you cannot have him not on that team Right, that's what the points list should be. Like, yeah. Well, well we, clearly we can't have not have Kepka on the team. Clearly we can't not have DJ. Right. But like, I feel like we're going to end up with a few guys that we're kind of like, oh. And if you did, if you cut it off right now, and again, I know we're not going to, but not on the team would be Cantlay, Kisner, Spieth, Ricky, JT, Reed, Snedeker, Bubba. Like, imagine if you had to today picking four between those guys. Right. I didn't say Phil Bryson. Um, like it, it, it's it's kind of nuts how they've done it. And I know it's going to change. And I know we're a long way out, but I just never. I just hate the point system. I think you should maybe do six players with within points because that's just the most obvious. Yeah. Otherwise, the points are kind of there as like again, you're basically making you take a guy that you wouldn't pick otherwise. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, I have been very vocal. Not really, but yeah. uh, very on record that like I think it should just be twelve captains. Picks. Sure, <laughs> like, I think that would be a complete circus, and yeah. uh, I think it'd be awesome. And if you wanted to, it kind of leads to my next point: is like the point system almost uh, it almost kind of like keeps the Ryder Cup top of mind. Like you can you can give yeah. updates on the points list every yeah, week, yeah. and you can there's almost like a structural 
reason for doing it, you know? Uh, but I think you could, if this is all completely blue sky, uh, brainstorming here, but if you did 12 captain's picks, like why not back it out? Like in the 12 weeks before the deadline, it's like, you're going to pick one guy per week or <laughs> one guy per month or one guy for, you know, whatever. Yeah, and just like slowly build your team with captain's picks, yeah. I think would be awesome. And, and to, to round out the, the rest of the points for 2020 PJ tour events, it's one point for every thousand earned. So basically the same as the 2019 majors. And for 2020 majors, you get two points for every thousand earned for the winner. And then 1.5 for every thousand earned for all others to make the cut. But what that does for the majors is it basically makes it three times as valuable because the money for the majors is bigger than the other events, yeah. and it's double points. So you end up like if, if Tiger went, you know, if we, whoever wins the Masters is basically going to get four thousand points out of that, which is like what happened in twenty sixteen. It didn't end up costing them, but Jimmy Walker was twenty ninth in points going into the PGA Championship at Baltus Roll, which allegedly happened we we still have not confirmed or denied yeah it. many people it, say it was a, f- a faked it was on a event, sound stage yeah but, uh but he won that a faking but. and he jumped to fourth on the list so like right now 29th on the list is lucas glover so like in theory lucas glover could go in you know the the open championship will be the last major next year and jump into and be guaranteed a yeah. spot and it's like okay great like great week like that's that's fine <laughs> but like, what if somebody, like, and this was the argument I had to make for Finau last year that was not getting through people's heads was, oh, yeah, he hasn't won. He hasn't won. It's like, yeah, he plays great golf every week. Like, you don't, yeah. winning doesn't necessarily translate to, like, being a great Ryder Cup player. Bubba won three times last year, and look how he played in the Ryder Cup because he misses a ton of cuts. He's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. I don't want a bunch of Jekyll and Hyde guys. I want the guys that I know are really consistent. As much as we don't, like, really ride for Kuchar, like, he sets up really well for match play. Totally. Webb Simpson sets up really, really well for match play. He beat Justin Rose in singles last year. Like he had a fantastic Ryder Cup, and uh, I think Xander's going to fit that bill really well. I think that Cantlay, some of the guys that they're going to be adding, I think really will will improve this team a lot. But I just I hate the points. I just I, I struggle with it a lot every year. I think what's so crazy is um, you know you got kind of like two conflicting storylines that are going to build over the next year or two because think of all those names that you. You just rattled off all of which are legitimately awesome choices to have on a Ryder cup team. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now you've let's add into the mix, like Matt Wolf and, and, uh, Mark Hawa and, and Victor Hovland on the Euro side. And like, it's just, uh, well, that's what I want to talk about there too. Is it's going to be really interesting to see, like those guys are going to have to play really freaking well this year to, to get a look. They you know? are, but Hovland, the way the Euro tour has it structured based on it being worldwide, like they, he has an advantage over like Morikawa and Wolf on the other side to try to earn his way onto the team via points. Cause he's going to be Which in I guess so I've many never events. Really broken it down, but that's, yeah, that's why you always see kind of weird names on that world. Yes. The world points list. Yeah. So he, he has a leg up versus this, you know, points earning system versus again, the Euro tour is using like a world ranking kind of sort of system. Basically it's just your play from around the world. And I think he's got a much better chance to make it than, you know, more Cow or Wolf and it, captain with as many guys that are outside that bubble right now. And again, we know that's going to change, but you're, it's going to be tough, 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 tough for more Cow or Wolf to get a captain's pick for sure as rookies with all the other guys yeah. that are going to be out there. So, um, and they, they might be great Ryder cup players. They might not, but, um, Basically, my point is let's play the Ryder Cup every year. No, and, uh, <laughs> uh, let's get to that later. The, the only other takeaway I had from uh, the from the media day was I thought there was a really interesting uh, difference between the the way that the Ryder Cup is ingrained in these two captains. And this is not meant as a, as a slight to Stricker at all, but just listen to this next clip and kind of see like the difference in in how these guys answer the question. Uh, question for both. Uh, I'm wondering if you can take a trip down memory lane and think about the first Ryder Cup you remember as kids, uh, maybe the first one you watched or the first big moment that you can remember. Steve? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I guess the one that uh, really sticks out in my mind is, is uh, the winning putt of, of Davis Love. And where was that at when he raised his arms? Uh, Belfry. 93. What year? 93. I'm sure I watched him before then, um, but that one just really sticks out in my memory, uh, you know, being an away match and a tight match and, um, you know, just an iconic, really kind of 
picture when he made that winning putt and, and raised his arms and you could you know knowing knowing Davis now you, you know what that what that meant and what that feels like so um, you know I, I still remember that and still look at it and it, it's in a lot of our team rooms pictures and all that throughout the years so it's uh, probably the one that sticks in my mind the most I think for me personally I grew up as an amateur playing we used to play our winter series of golf a lot in a golf course called Royal Dublin, which is the home of Christian Connor Senior. So he had, at that stage, had played the most Ryder Cups in Ryder Cup history. I think it was nine. And his golf bags are obviously in the memorabilia cabinets and things there. So I grew up with the Ryder Cup being very much in, in the forefront of golf in Ireland. And then uh, obviously Christian Connor Junior hit that two iron in 85, would probably be the first shot I probably saw shots before that, but 85 would have been, that was the one for me uh, against Fred Couples. Then quickly followed by Eamon Darcy, another Irish pro holding the putt in Muirfield Village. Hold like a six footer down, well, maybe a four footer down the hill and 18 at Muirfield. Like, Eamon would not have been the most beautiful putter to hold a putt like that in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Philip Walton then winning the 95, uh, holding, you know, he had two took two down the last. So there was a lot of really being a great Irish heritage in, in the in the Ryder Cup and that's something that I would have been brought up with. And uh, so those are the those are the standout memories for me. Before we get back to it, uh, a quick word from one of our newer partners. A lot of people have been asking us about this. A lot of people asking to clarify the name on this. <laughs> Herbal Active. So think of the word it's spelled think of the word urban but with an L. Sure. So U R B A L and then active without an E herbalactive.com they have a frequently asked questions a lot of people asking questions it's a cbd company that we've been using their product for a while a lot of the frequently asked questions are all there it is a water-based product not oil-based dj you have been raving about this you actually lost your dob kit i guess that had the cbd in it i did and i did not sleep well last night legitimately uh but yeah i was texting uh texting with a a caddy uh who was asking me the other day like okay like break it down like does this stuff really work like how do you guys really feel about this and I was like, dude, I, listen, I'm not a scientist, uh, but yes, I sleep better. Yes, I feel less sore when I wake up. Yes, I feel more rested when I wake up. And uh, I'm, I'm team drops. I've been uh, team drops in the coffee. Uh, drops in the coffee and then a couple drops, maybe a cup of tea in the evening. Uh, put some drops in that as well. And I have been feeling so much better. It's uh, either it, placebo AF or like actually the really legitimate <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, you be the judge. Either way, I'm sleeping better and feeling better. And his big question, he's like, you know, I've heard a lot about these oils and they just don't mix with your body real well. And I was like, bud, do I have good news for you? <laughs> it is water-based. Because it is completely water-based, zero THC. You're not going to test for any kind of weird stuff. Maybe a lot of people are getting new jobs. They're taking drug tests. Not going to be a problem. Nope. Uh, and it is just, uh, yeah, it's been... It's something I think we were all very suspicious uh, to start, but it's been something that we've been using for a couple months now. NLU20, promo code at herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com, NLU20 or TrapDraw20. They've got two, two codes open if you can't remember. You can remember one of those. I have faith in you. So go check that out. Learn more about it there. Let's get back to our pod. So I know that's, that's one question, and it's a press conference on a day where they're doing nothing but you know answering very generic questions, but I just think it's so interesting to hear Padraig Harrington's uh, kind of perspective on that and hearing him rattle off. Oh yeah. Here's eight different Irishman's names that like <laughs> literally like most of which I had never even heard of. And he's just rattling off these and holes and lengths of putts and all these different things. And Stricker, like it's just, it was a different while he was coming up, you know, it's a different, uh, it's a different event than it is now. Like it has grown into a complete, spectacle and it's just interesting that it has always been so at the forefront of a lot of these european minds Mm -hmm. yeah and you hear the u.s players talk a bit about how much more and i believe them i don't i I just their their experience all feels very personal like i've never been so nervous And, and you hear the same stories in the euro side but it all feels like how it relates to me you don't really hear a ton about the camaraderie factor and which feels like it's kind of changing with i agree with a lot of like younger guys and i i feel like i'm you know, diving into like SB2K, whatever the fuck year that was. But, you know, I feel like I'm rehashing a lot of that stuff. But like you do see, uh, even since I've kind of like started quote unquote covering golf, like you see, you see a change a little bit. You yeah. see guys hanging out more. You see guys like doing a lot more things together. And maybe that has kind of like a ripple effect and, and will lead to this big, 
you know, kind of macro change over 20 years, but uh, it's just interesting to see what already kind of exists on the Euro side. Yep. Interestingly enough, you know, being here at Hazeltine, and I know we're not ready to talk about the 2028 Ryder Cup, <laughs> but it is coming back here. Um, and we, it's been really, really fun being here and reliving the 2016. That's the only, the, the only one that brings us joy to relive here. Uh, 2008, we're going to enjoy some of that as well. I have a feeling Medina is going to be quite painful. Um, but you, we, this is your first visit up to Hazeltine and tell us about what, what, what it was the impression you came away with? Yeah. So I said a little bit up front, but it it's always kind of struck me as, um, kind of a uninspiring place. And, and I don't mean to be unfair by saying that, but I couldn't remember much about the golf course, even though I've watched a bunch of tournaments here. I couldn't tell you much about the club, even though, you know, they have a ton of tournaments. I, I just couldn't tell you much about the place. And being here for the last two days has completely shifted. And part of that's a fantastic tour guide in Chandler, the voice you heard at the top of the podcast. Like he's, uh, we were kind of saying, you know, like it's such an asset to a club like this to have somebody who can, who can be just like a complete, um, like a completely like educated cheerleader for the place. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And none of it is some people you you hear talk about their club and and it feels kind of brainwashy and it feels kind of inauthentic or whatever and Chandler is just like such a smart like brilliant storyteller that just mm-hmm. like makes this place like really come alive even though we played the golf course yesterday and like it's not the best golf course I've ever seen in my life like it's not you know I didn't walk away from it with you know my imagination just firing on all cylinders like it's pretty straightforward golf course mm-hmm. but one of the things I thought was most interesting and I had never, I guess it's kind of my fault for not really like digging into the club, but is the mission statement stuff. Um, and so right when you walk in the front door, there's a big framed mission statement for the Hazeltine national golf club. And it is like to be a hot, I don't know the exact wording, but it is basically like our goal is to be a hotbed of competitive golf. Like we want to host the biggest championships in the world and we want to do it consistently and we want to do it really well. And I think like when I think I don't belong to a private club, but like when I think about private clubs, like that has always struck me as something that I'm like, Oh my God, can you imagine, you know, having to like pay all these dues and having to like give up your golf course every two years or three years for a big, like their season is so short here in Minnesota too. It's five months, whatever you can play golf. And, uh, you know, being like, I'd be a little longer than five months. Well, but yeah, you know, it's short. Uh, yeah. Really? I mean, it's yeah, like April through April ish to late October ish. Uh, point being, yeah. We, I'm, just, having I'm to, just saving you from Minnesota no, golf thank fans. You. Nobody loves Minnesota more than me. <laughs> Both my parents are from Minnesota. Uh, but having, uh, you know, having to give up your golf club for yeah. that long and for all these ticky tack demands and constantly having to make improvements that the PGA of America or the USGA or whomever is, is dictating to you. Like, God, that would seem like such a pain in the ass. Just let me go through what's on the cups here. Like just yeah. the events they've held here. U.S. Women's Open, U.S. Open, U.S. Women's Open, U.S. Senior Open, U.S. Open, the U.S. Mid-Am, NCAA Division One Men's Championship, the USGA Men's State Team. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's kind of a cool championship, actually. The PGA Championship, the USAM, the PGA Championship, the Ryder Cup, and the KPMG Women's PGA, and they have the USAM in 2024. US and the Junior. Cup, US Junior this year. It is just a, a – yeah, this place is built for tournament. And another golf. Ryder Cup in 2028. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So where I'm going with all this is, like, all of this to me would seem like the biggest pain and, like, the opposite of – why you would want to join a public right. golf course, private golf course, or private golf course. Everybody that we've talked to has such the opposite mindset. Like they love hosting and they mm-hmm. love showing it off to the world. And they love, like they just love what this place has and what they can, what they can show off. And I think that's really, really cool. And like I said, I didn't, I'm not going to walk away from here being like, Oh my God, 16 is the most brilliant <laughs> strategic, interesting hole ever. Like I, I don't feel that way about, really like any of the golf holes that we played out here. But what I do feel is like, man, I'm actually like really psyched that championship golf is going to here frequently because this place is freaking, it's awesome. Like, Mm. and the people are great. And it's just, I I was not excited to hear like candidly, I was not excited to hear like they were getting another Ryder cup. And after today and yesterday, and just like hearing all the stories and seeing the property and like how it comes alive and why it comes alive and 
why they're able to do a lot of the stuff they are able to do, which is because they have all of this space and property yeah. and all that stuff. Like I, I just, I'm very happy for yeah. the people here and excited, excited to see it. So I've, well, I'm glad you got that experience just yeah. from here. Cause it feels so incredibly different than what it felt like during the Ryder cup, yeah. which if you were there for that, it's like, Oh, well, duh. Like you have to come back here. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you, why would you have it anywhere but here yeah. because of how well everything went that week. And the reason why you wouldn't do it is the weather in this part of the world <laughs> in Ryder Cup week can be suspect. And they, yeah. they had bad weather the week before the Ryder Cup, and then it was 75 and sunny the whole week. That's not been our experience this week. No, we've got we the, the we're, we're kind of taking uh, – I feel like hopefully we're taking all the bad weather this year so that well, it, it'll be nice. The point year. being, like, nobody cares what our weather is for our trip, but the point is we are here during Ryder Cup week. This is the week that it will be back here, yeah, back in the Midwest. Yesterday. Yeah, Which yesterday – how was our weather yesterday when we played? Absolutely brutal. It was 47 degrees and raining, raining the, whole time. the entire time. And it was not much better at Whistling Straits. It was a little warmer there, but it rained when we played there on Sunday the entire time. And it's if the, the, the event, again, so much more goes into this than just like, oh, yeah, like it might be kind of rainy for the players. Like, no, no, no. Like, imagine <laughs> right. trying to park in a farm field when it's muddy and like wet and just. And I don't know how it's going to work, but they keep going back to the Midwest and keep hoping that I keep hoping to get great weather. Nobody wants to see a slop fest, but the reality is it might not be like that, you know, when they come, you know, to Wisconsin next fall. And it might not be like that in 2028, but there's literally nothing they could do to control it. And even outside of a logistics standpoint, like, of course, the logistics has its own threats with all of the weather and, and all that stuff. But from a golf perspective, like being right on the lake and being right, like that golf course is going to play, like it can play very difficult. That's the thing too. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's, I, I don't know that that's there, it's necessarily like, good for us. I was gonna say, it's not like, <laughs> Oh, this is Americans no. right here. Like it's gonna be, I don't know. It, it's tough because I, w- I would think we could say that the American team is a more complete group of ball strikers. Yeah. Meaning, distance being a factor in that now um, the golf national neutralized distance right so what makes Kepka and dj such great ball strikers is how far they hit it same goes with rory of course and rom and all that but you know that is a big element of ball striking that will play well at whistling straights um but it's also you know so when, it, when the wind blows in theory it should help the teams the guys that can hit it the furthest and can control their ball in the wind the best but also, like the European team players are usually just better playing in the elements. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how it's going to actually apply. It's Part- probably overanalyzing it, but it's not just like a, a, a dome. We're not playing in a dome, which like would suit the U.S. team a lot better. Totally. I would think. And uh, I mean, Padraig, it was kind of a bit, you know, for the press conference, but like Padraig's face kept lighting up. Like it was miserable on yeah. the the media day. Like it's pouring rain. Yeah. <laughs> 50 degrees, maybe less, and just like, just gross outside. And everybody kind of kept bringing up like the weather. And, and like I said, it's kind of a, kind of a gag. It's like an Irish summer day. Yeah. But Padraig is like, he's kind of glowing about like, yeah, if I, if it's like this, like, cool, by all means, like, let's do it. So, oh, we did have a, one last thing. We had a little challenge at Whistler's I was going to say, did you find it to be a long golf course? It was (laughs) from the back tees in the rain and the wind. Uh, hitting three woods into three of the last four holes we played. Yeah, I did. I found it pretty, <laughs> found it pretty lengthy. So we have a week-long competition going where we're trying to, you know, basically we didn't know what we were going to get for interviews and stuff. So we're like, I don't know. We got to have some sort of lowest common denominator. So we'll have a little, uh, we'll have a little contest uh, going between the two of us for the week. Yeah. And so we're trying to come up with. We obviously can't play foursomes or four ball uh, with one person. So we're trying to come up with all these stupid formats. And so the first one was we got to Whistling Straits. We're kind of sitting in the parking lot and we're both like, I, we play so much golf together that like, what we don't want to do is just go have like a match where it's like, you give me eight shots and right. we'll see who wins. So we're looking at this course rating and stuff and we're like, well, theoretically it's 10 shots harder, 11, 11 shots harder from the back tee than the red tee. So like, why don't I just play the back? T- Tolly, why don't, why don't he just play the back tee and I'll play the red tee and we'll see how it shakes out. So no strokes. So we did that at whistling straights, uh, no spoilers on how that went. Uh, but it was very, very, very interesting. We threw the hypothetical poll out on Twitter, and uh, 80% voted that you would beat me. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool to get such a, vote, uh, yeah. a high voter turnout, especially in Wisconsin. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's another another topic. But um, we're gonna do it. Yeah. So what we did at Hazeltine? What did we do? Oh, we had a two man scramble. Yeah. Um. Or sorry, two ball scramble. So each, each person, person scrambles scramble. with themselves. Um. Which I had never done for some reason. That was very fun. And then we got to figure out two other formats for uh, yeah Medina and. Valhalla. And Valhalla to yeah. wrap it up. And then we're not going to share what the stakes are, but the, uh, the, the stakes loser, are significant. The loser has to do something that's not fun. <laughs> and I was getting very butthurt. You know, at one point yesterday when things weren't going well, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. Like, I need to figure this out. I need to blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and yeah, so that'll be farther down the road when we ever get to editing these videos. But for now, let's get, uh, let's get on the road, we say, to Medina. And, Should they? Uh, last question. Yeah. Lay out the case for why they should play it every year. Oh, they should just play it every year. Like we're talking, we're sitting here talking about it. Like why? Like I, I thought about this as, as we gathered at Whistling Straits for you know a year to go until this event. It's like we should just play the event. Like why? How much better would it be if we were playing the <laughs> event? You know, and I, I don't. I understand the, somewhat the argument of like, yeah, it's more special when it's every two years. And I would say to that, like, okay, fine, let's let's. Play the Masters every two years. It'll be bigger. It'll be talked about bigger. Like let's just let's just do the U.S. Open every two years. Why not? It's only been every two years because of you know that's how it's how it's always been. If you started the event now, like no freaking way would you do it every two years. It's such a huge money maker. European Tour, from what I've gathered, like loses money for three straight years and then has a Ryder Cup, a home Ryder Cup year, and then loses money for three straight years and has a home Ryder Cup year. It's financially it makes a ton of sense for everyone except for the PGA Tour probably. And the fact that you only get one in home soil every four years and it's for three days of competition, it just it, it doesn't seem like enough. And I know that people argue that that's what makes it special, but man, it'd be cool to be, have a home one every two years and be talking about it every single year about who's, you know, who's favored. And then when somebody runs off four in a row, it doesn't feel as like if you win four Ryder Cups in a row, you go eight years in between. Like there's a reason why the U.S. overreacts every time we lose because you have so much time to sit around and think about it. Which so, is kind of sick. But again, I, as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, that probably is my best <laughs> argument. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to say the exact I, I, opposite of everything exactly. you just said. Exactly. Like, I don't get a lot of support on this one, but I don't Here's my don't only care. thing is your master's is a stupid argument. No, it's a great argument. That's actually my best argument. It's a very stupid argument. It's because not Because the Ryder Cup is a completely different format. Of course it is. Than the Masters. Yeah. Like, you don't play... But the, the, that, that like how many the other argument of like, play, oh, it makes it more special. Like the, the, that's, the, that's the retort to that. Oh, it's more special if it's every other year. It's like, okay. No, the Masters, would be, in that theory, Masters would be more special. Let me finish. No. no. This is a debate. I'm, <laughs> this is a debate. I'm going to scream <laughs> over the other person. Uh, no, it's like the Masters is the same as the rest of the schedule. Like you, you play 72 whole stroke play events every year like that. And that's that boring. Make, and it's the best one. So you play it. Right. You play it every year. That's exactly the point though. It's boring. Like 72 whole events all year are boring. Like give me the team event that we look forward to. What are you talking about? Most. We have a team event every year. Don't you say it. No. Well, what I'm saying though is like, I, I don't know. My biggest Ooh, argument, he's on his heels. I'm not on my heels. I'm literally not going to change my mind. You're just not <laughs> open to new ideas. Uh, I think that my biggest argument. This would be literally like, is a new idea. My well, you know what I'm saying. You're not gonna. You're not open to having your mind changed. So, and neither am I. But I think that the only other argument would be like the Olympics. If you did the Olympics every year, like it would be a fucking train wreck. Like it would be a big production that nobody would want to watch every year because it would be too overwhelming. Blah blah blah. And it would like the reason it's so cool. And the World Cup is another example. Like well, let's go. Oh my God, the World Cup's the most successful thing. Like let's go play it every year. Like that's not what would be your I retort see where you're to going. that. I, I, I do have definite retorts. And the, the, the Olympics and the World Cup are logistically way different than a Ryder Cup. We just got done saying. Right. But we're talking about a one-week event. Yeah. We're not, the World Cup is spread out over a month, all different places across a country. The Olympics is kind of the same way around a city. And it's like a three-and-a-half-week thing. And it's total, all these different sports. We're talking about one sport. We're talking about one event in one little squared-off little field. Like that's not those. That's not the comparison. I don't think. I, I really think, don't. I think you're just being an instant gratification millennial, and you can't. You can't. That's fine. I'll take that. You have no patience. Your phone has ruined all your patience. You got, sure. You can't wait for anything. You can't let it simmer. You can't let the anticipation build. Got to have it now. Why not go every four years with the Ryder Cup then? Sure, that's fine. No, you don't yeah. want that. You're just. Saying I don't. That, like, you don't want that. If like I'm not a huge traditionalist, but like if that's how it had always been, I would say okay, cool. That's fine. 
That's just, that's the exact opposite this is the of what one. I learned in accounting was <laughs> don't just it? do it the year because that the way we've always done it is not the best way going forward. What's the okay? What's the upside? I don't know. I need to think about this because <laughs> I, I know what you I know what you mean by that. Like you don't want to be stuck in like you know in a rut of a rut way of thinking. Like I, I of course get that, but I don't get the upside. Is what like the PJ of America like makes more money? Like I, whatever. I, I don't, don't care. I, I, but that's what I'm I saying. Like I, I I don't know. I'm saying the interest would be there. Like the PJ. Like the both like the, the European interest, tour and the PJ. So it's the already answer to all there, these though. questions. Answer a lot of questions. It's like, why doesn't this happen? It's always money, right? In this scenario that I'm proposing, everyone make, is making more money. Except for PJ Tour. Except for PJ Tour. Which is why it won't happen. Can they block it? Like, can they stop it from happening? Uh, I, don't I don't think know. they could. So Imagine how much it, who, it who would lose s- in this scenario. Who PGA loses? Tour. Right. But, like, they're not involved in this. So, fans win, right? Players Maybe. would want to do this. And the PGA of America and the European Tour would want to, right? It seems like it. You, the only risk you'd run is like oversaturation, which I agree. Like it wouldn't be a thing. Right. Like uh, everybody would get up to watch it every year. And like, mm-hmm. of course, to your point, like if it was on right now, like, of course I would watch it right. and I'd love to watch it. But I also really like the anticipation and I really like, sure. I really like the long buildup. It means more. It means fans are louder on the first tee. And it means like, I know you can't measure any of this stuff and I'm just like speaking in cliches, but I do believe that that is true. Okay. Respectfully disagree with your wrong opinion. Also, it doesn't matter. We're, we can't. We can't do anything about the it. The goal is to talk about this so much that it, like somebody would be, it's like, <laughs> You're bully them into you doing know what? it every like, year. Maybe we should think about this. So, uh, yeah. All right. I, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. We're going to wrap it at that. Uh, we're going to hit the road to Medina and hopefully uncover some more stories there. Thank you for tuning in to the Ryder Cup One Year Out podcast. We have a lot more to come on the Ryder Cup. Thanks to BMW, we have exactly. a lot more to come. So uh, a big shout out to them. That's kind of the reason that we're able to do this stuff. I think we talk a lot about um, we talk a lot about like partners adding to what it is that we do and enabling us to do more stuff. And and I think this is the perfect example. Oh yeah. Without having a partnership with BMW, uh, without having like good leadership there and people and good vision there, like we literally can't do stuff like this. And right. so what we're gonna do, like today, I'm not being hyperbolic. Today is one of my favorite days we've had at knowing up, like listening to stories and gathering interviews and like doing all the stuff that we never possibly like would have foot the bill on our own to like, right. to go do. And BMW being a global partner of the Ryder cup, they, that was kind of their point was like, Hey, there's so many cool stories out right. there that, that don't get told or that don't get shined on. And so like, you know, why don't you guys go, go do hood rat shit in a hundred thousand dollar car <laughs> around the Midwest for a few days. And, uh, you know, who are we to say no to, to that? So, well, it's the goal again is like, you, you might hear the sentence like, Oh yeah, we talked to like the tournament director and the head pro here. And you know, one of the members here about the event. And you might be like, okay, like what? That's pretty boring. But the, the, that's exactly the point is like, no, no, there's stories out there that yeah. like you probably haven't heard. And then like the little things that are said in the locker room and the little moments that man, it's, I'm excited to tell them. Everyone that listened to this knows how passionate I am about this about this event and we're going to do a lot more stuff like this uh throughout the course of the year leading up to it because it is that big of a deal now and if they had to do that if it was every year and if they played it every year we wouldn't have had time to go do this all right that is officially a wrap (laughs) let's uh let's have some lunch get in the car and thank you for tuning in cheers later be the right club today honey that's Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.